Welcome to another episode of Bears, The Bar and Beyond the Baylor Pre-Law Podcast. This week, we have a very special guest. Uh, Logan Leslie is with us today. He is a former Green Beret uh, and also a graduate of Harvard uh, in its undergraduate sense, but also the law school and the business school. Logan, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Very glad to be here. Thank you. Tell, tell us a little bit about what caused you or inspired you to initially uh, enlist with the U.S. Army. Sure, that that's a um, that's a tough question to answer. I think for a lot of people that, that choose to serve, um, for me it was it was mostly uh, I was mostly a product of my time. I, I think that it, the years immediately following 9/11 and the years in the, where we were where the Iraq invasion was was occurring, uh, to me it seemed that um, there was a lot going on and I felt a strong urge to be a part of it and to, and to serve my country. Yeah. One of the things I noticed from your resume is prior to being a Green Beret, you also went through Ranger School. Could you explain to us what that is and, and, and why it's so difficult? Sure. Ranger School, is a, they build themselves as a, as a combat leadership course and it's, it's a minimum of 61 days and it's a, uh, you know, at, at its core, it, it teaches combat patrolling. It's a, it's very much a, the Vietnam War t- type of combat, mm-hmm. and but it's a leadership school. So they they evaluate you in in different leadership roles, whether it's a, a team leader of of four or five soldiers, or a, a platoon leader. Um, you know, so it's a and it puts you in just very harsh, tough environments where where leadership is very difficult, very difficult to motivate your subordinates to to do things. Um, and you're being evaluated as you do it. Uh, you have you know, very little food, very little sleep, um, and you're you're expected to accomplish very complex tasks. Um, so it's a it's quite the experience. Yeah, I, I imagine that, that that the mental toughness is just as uh, demanding as the physical side of it. Yeah, that that's that's correct. So the the physical side um, affects everybody, as no matter you know everyone goes into the school at different levels of physical fitness, but everyone's equally brought down to the same level uh, over a certain amount of time of no sleep and no food. Uh, and, and truly it's not, it's, it becomes a mental problem at that point um, because you're, you're uncomfortable, you're tired, you're hungry and, and everybody else is, but you still have to, you have to convince yourself that everything's going to be okay. Um, and collect, collect yourself in times of great challenge to, to uh, work together to accomplish tasks. It's one of the things we talk about about uh, a lot with undergraduate students. This is this idea of perseverance and resilience and and grit. Um, what are the things that you used to, I guess, give yourself the strength mentally to to push through when you're cold and wet and hungry and and still have a lot to do? Sure. Um, well, continuing with the Ranger School example, in Ranger School you can quit at any time. Um, and it's 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 quite interesting because you 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 you're on multi-day uh, patrols and you're you're far you know you're you're deep into the woods, and some people reach their breaking point and they quit, and but the it's sort of cruel because you can't there's there's no one there in terms of cadre or instructors to to pull that person out usually so that person still has to spend the rest of the 
you know, th- those couple of days in the woods and they, you know, once they are, are put off to the side and they get some food in them and maybe get a little bit of sleep in them, uh, you can always tell there's a deep sense of regret <laughs> because they're yeah. still out there. And, and so really it's a, it's a lesson in not letting, not letting a, a challenge break you. Um, it's everything is one step at a time. Um, and, and furthermore, you have a, a unit, you know, a collection of people and you're all quite literally carrying a lot of weight, a lot of weight. And it's, if you're in a mountain environment, you're carrying heavy ropes, you're carrying ammunition, you're carrying lots of weapons. And if somebody quits, their burden is, is, uh, given to the rest of the team. Mm. And so, so it's a very, it's a selfish act in essence. So the, taking that lesson, it's, Anytime you quit, there are often people that rely on you, um, and and so it's it's a selfish act. So so framing um, framing any challenge like that, framing the challenge as in this is temporary and this is just one hurdle on my way to accomplishing a greater goal, and also people rely on me. And and so when you frame it like that, it's it's uh, grit becomes a lot easier. It becomes a lot more difficult to quit. That must have been a help in in grad school. <laughs> Grad school, grad school is uh, <laughs> not even it's yeah. not even a big comparison. <laughs> but but one lesson I I learned, and we we haven't. I'm sure you will talk about um, undergrad too. But but one lesson that I that I learned I picked up on is that perspective is difficult for people. And so whether it's a whether the challenge is literally life or death, as it often is in the military, or whether the challenge is you're an 18 year old freshman. And, and you miss home, uh, the, the felt stress of that or the, you know, the burden on that is, is probably felt exactly the same, right? It, it, and so once you realize that, it, it, uh, and even if you logically realize that the pain I'm feeling or this struggle or this stress that I'm feeling or anxiety isn't life or death, it often doesn't help, right? You, you're still anxious. You're still stressed. Um, and so that's a lesson for leaders, it, really. It's, it's easy to say, to somebody to put things in perspective and, and, and to realize how fortunate you are. But if you, if you truly realize that that, that doesn't help <laughs> that everyone, when they're dealing with a struggle is feeling probably the same level of anxiety, then it, it makes you a, a, a better leader. Did you, did you find it hard going to a civilian context where the struggles uh, seem a lot less demanding? Did, was it hard to kind of have, have an empathy for others who might, um, who might be struggling, like, come on, this, this is not that struggle. That's, that's not the kind of struggle that many other people have, have gone through. You see, I, I, I expect before I learned the lesson that I just tried to explain, um, I, I thought that I might, you know, people. Yeah. So I, I started freshman year at 26 and having deployed uh, five times. And um, so I thought that I would feel that. And, but then I, I very quickly realized that, that's not the case is that we all, we, all the students I saw, no matter, no matter what, um, you know, everyone's dealing with their own challenges and, and finding their own place in life. And, and so, uh, I, I didn't necessarily, you know, I didn't really necessarily feel a difference. What do you think when you think back on your, uh, combat experience and your time in the military, what might be, uh, some lessons that you think would be really helpful for our undergraduate listeners to be, thinking about as they either face challenging courses or are looking at, uh, you know, a real um, demanding effort in terms of turning grades around and, and heading towards that goal of, of law school or, you know, some other 
professional uh, destination? Yeah, I think you know, that's a really that's a really good question, and I, and I think soldiers, um, veterans have have a lot of life lessons, and, and some of them are applicable in, in other contexts. Not all of them, maybe. One is that a great team is everything, and uh, in a special forces unit, you're you're on a twelve man team, and uh, it's a really tight knit group, and the mission is often very ambiguous. And so, but and one thing you know is your your teammates, and you and that's sometimes the only thing you know. Yeah. And my team, for example, was was dropped in a, a was put in a place in Afghanistan with a very ambiguous mission to to go do good things. And um, I, the lesson you learn in the military is that a team, uh, the bad a bad team with a really good mission is still going to mess up, and a really good team uh, with a really tough mission is probably going to be successful. And so I I think that in a civilian context or in an academic context. You, you don't don't you shouldn't ever endeavor to do anything by yourself and whether that team is just your doormate or a good friend or your your family um that'll it oftentimes i think that's enough to accomplish almost anything hmm. <clears throat> that is a good lesson i think sometimes especially in undergraduate studies you feel this pressure to study on your own to work on your own to prepare on your own uh, but it seems it seems like what you're saying is even in contexts uh, like academic work, look for a team to to hold you accountable and to achieve a, a set objective together. That's that's correct, and and, uh, and I would also add that the military, in the military, you uh, your whole identity is tied up with that. So it's, it's clearly it's not just a job. Um, and everything you do, it, it's built into the culture. Everything you do is for a bigger purpose and, and you're, you're a small piece of a bigger thing. Um, academic pursuits are fundamentally, um, there's a lot of, uh, selfishness to, to bettering yourself. And it's not, that's not a value judgment. It's just, mm. you go to, you go to a school and you pay a lot of money and you spend a lot of time to better yourself. And it's, you often can lose sight of, of uh, the the selfless reasons to get an education, and and the ways that could be part of your identity. So if you are focusing on an academic challenge and it's in the context of I need to get a good grade, so then I could go to law school and I could have glory and and all these things about me, then it's easier to get overcome by by an obstacle and not be able to challenge it. But if your identity is built up in being, hey, I want to. I recognize that I came from from a from a uh, privileged place, and I realize that I am very privileged to be able to do this. And I and I realize that if I get a really good education, I'm going to have all these tools to be able to to serve and be part of a, a greater thing, regardless of what that is. Or I and then I can go to law school and be, uh, you know, a defense attorney or a public defender or a prosecutor or a politician or a business person. And it's because I feel like I need to give back. If you think of it like that, I think the the small challenges that stand in the way of you now and you accomplishing that greater thing, and maybe it's twenty years, those small challenges are become more surmountable. I think that that seems like it ties in really well with what you were saying before about um, quitting having an effect on other people rather than just on on yourself. That's yeah, I, I think I think so, I think so, I think. Um, I mean, certainly we all come from different backgrounds and, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really tied in with, with veterans, with, with efforts to get veterans to go to, to undergrad. Um, 
and in that certainly in those cases there are a lot of people that rely on on the students that I've, I've worked with and I, and I think that most students that people rely parents will rely on on them often and and um, th- I just try to frame it as what you can become and who you can help and if you think of it like I can be this one day and I can give back and I can help all these people, then they're kind of relying on you now to, to not give up and to, and to do the best you can and to not lose sight of those, the greater goal. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful insight. I, I wonder if you could explain for us, cause I would like to talk to you a little bit about the transition from the military to uh, your studies. But be, before we do go there, what, what motive, cause the ranger school from, from everything I understand is an incredibly hard and demanding program. What, what drove you to go to the next level and, and qualify as a, as a green beret? And what are some lessons that you learned from pushing yourself to that next level? Sure. Um, so green beret, I, I, I was really interested in that path, uh, from high school and it wasn't really on my radar until, until after nine 11 and, and, Special Forces Group, which is the group that I was fortunate enough to be assigned to, um, they were the first teams in Afghanistan, um, along with Air Force Special Operations and, and uh, Navy Special Operations. Um, and so I, they were on my radar, and it, and it seemed like just a pretty interesting career, right? You, you're again, you're, you're a small team, and you're dropped into a place like Afghanistan, and uh, and you're the the pointy edge of the spear. And so it was it was on my radar to to do that, I'd say. Um, Ranger School was a way for me to, to, to challenge myself and to develop as a leader because um, I, I didn't go Special Forces right away. I, I spent a few years in, in the 101st Airborne Division in the regular Army and um, was fortunate enough to go to Ranger School as a, as a regular Army soldier. And I remember that, you know, I met, so, so being a Special Forces operator was always on the path, but it, it really solidified as a goal that I just needed to do when I was in Ranger School. Um, which is kind of counterintuitive, I guess, because in it, it, and I remember the day that I that it dawned on me that I needed to do it was uh, a particularly difficult day in mountain phase in Georgia, uh, having a lot of weight in my back and just really sucking. Just I was really having a rough day, and it dawned on me that I really loved it. You know, it was it was <laughs> I was living and I, and I was alive, and I needed to, you know, once I accomplished my ranger school goal, I needed to keep moving the goalpost. Um, and this isn't even describing what what special forces does and what Green Berets do and, and the mission, but it's more of more of just the always challenging yourself, always developing, and and, and I've alluded to it a couple times now. Always having that next goal to, to keep in your sights and to keep you uh, out of your comfort zone, basically. Yeah, that's yeah, and I think there's something to be said for uh, students now looking at law school is treating each semester like a new challenge, like a new goal. And, and, and having certain goals to aim for each semester. Is, is that something that, that yeah. sorry. No, I'm sorry. That, that's absolutely right. I, I, um, and you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be calculating. I think, I think that's also a problem. Uh, you, you don't want to be plotting out your whole life. Right. Or, or to be, that's almost cynical in a way. I, I think it's just important to have a goal of who you want to be as opposed to what you want to be. And for mm. me, and, and uh, so going into this, so for me, and, and by the way, it also changes and develops all the time. Um, and so for me, once I, you know, I joined on my 17th birthday, I had no idea who I was or, or what I wanted to be. I, I just knew I wanted to, to serve my country and 
to, to get into what was going on in the world and which I thought was exciting. And that's the extent of it. But as soon as I brought, I brought in my horizons a bit, I learned more about what I wanted to be. And, um, and that led me to special forces. And that also led me to, to my decision to, to leave the service and to go to school because I, I wanted to be somebody that was fully developed and was able to add value in every way I can. And I wasn't going to be able to do that by, by staying in the military, I thought. I needed an education, and I needed to get a, a broader kind of view of the world. Next phase and more, cha- more challenges. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Kevin Davis is our, uh, the director of our veterans program here at Baylor. And one of the things he talks about is when you leave the military, there's these three things that people have a sense of loss of regarding. So it's their structure uh, and mm-hmm. community but also this idea of identity and purpose. Uh, how, how did they present as challenges as you moved from the military to your education at Harvard? Sure. I, uh, to me, it, it all came down to identity, I'd say. And, and, and honestly, I was, in a, I was in a little different spot than, than most veterans. Um, and, and I've worked with tons of veterans on their transition. And I, you know, in my observation, identity is, is pretty much it. And, and the three the three um, elements you discuss, I think, can all be kind of rolled under the identity umbrella, uh, because the military is is everything. It's just source of such great pride in, in what you do, and it's because you're not getting paid a lot, <laughs> and and oftentimes it's not really broadening your horizons. I think um, it, it's truly sacrifice in a lot of ways, um, and the reason people do it is because of a, a desire to serve and patriotism and desire to chase challenges. And it's all tied very closely in identity. And once you leave the service, uh, you leave that at the door. I mean, you, you still identify as a veteran and as a soldier, but you don't see it every day. And I think that that leads a lot of soldiers to be lost um, in ways until, unless they find another identity. Um, and you see that often and the most successful veterans are the ones that commit themselves fully to, to something else. For me, uh, I was unbelievably fortunate um, to be accepted to Harvard College, which in, in a lot of ways is a greater, a thing greater than me, right? It's the, the military was, a, I was able to be a part of something greater than me, and I had this great mission, and I viewed Harvard the same way. And so I, I walked out of Harvard, or excuse me, I walked out of the military one day, and then I walked into Harvard the next day, and I had a new identity. And furthermore, I had a, I had a, um, a, a brand new baby girl at the time. And so all of the, all the challenges in life that come with that sort of eclipse, yeah. uh, the transition challenges. So I didn't really have time to think about it. Honestly. What, what advice would you have for some of our vets who might be listening, who, who are struggling with that, that idea of finding a new identity? Sure. I, and my first piece of advice would be, take any advice uh with a grain of salt <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's such a that, that's my first honestly it's a it's my first piece of advice because it's such a personal thing right it's it's such a personal thing and it can be self-defeating to to listen to the way other people dealt with it it, it could be illuminating but it could it also be self-defeating um i think i think um what's number one is to try to is to try to hold on to as much of that veteran um fellowship as you can and so there's there are tons of ways to stay involved whether it's going to the national guard for, off of active duty like i did so i mm-hmm. stayed in the military part-time whether it's seeking out veterans groups um 
cold emailing people. Uh, feel free to cold email me anytime, any of your listeners, anytime you want. Um, that's, that's how we connected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And, um, and so I think it's just being aware of, of what's out there um, and trying to be intellectually honest um, in, in terms of what makes you tick. So don't force it. If, if being in a nonprofit that builds houses, it, it sounds great, but if that doesn't speak to you, then, then don't do it. If, if it's uh if, if uh, you can find a new identity by being in politics or going and working at the defense department or, or uh, going in academics or going into the sciences or, um, you know, it's, it's just tons of things. I, I think it's just being open to opportunity and, and trying to experiment. And then my final piece of advice, because this is a long answer, is to be patient. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of pressure on people to, to have it figured out. I think vets are given more credit than is, than is due for having things figured out. I think people look at a guy, a guy or a gal that has multiple combat deployments and they almost assume like, oh, you, you know yourself and you know life and you know how the world works. And I don't believe that for a second. But, I, but when people keep telling you that, you feel a pressure to have things figured out. For me, for me uh, it took me six years of, of being in school to feel like I had, I had things sort of figured out. And that's a long time. That's a, yeah, that's that's a good one. I mean, I think one of the things that seems to come up in the conversations I've had with with vets is that you go from being in a lifestyle where you you have fewer decisions to make, but the decisions you make have massive implications, and then you go to civilian life where you have hundreds and hundreds of decisions every day, most of which are pretty inconsequential. And and finding that new purpose in the context of having so many often pointless decisions it seems to be a, a challenge. Yeah, I think, I think there's truth to that. I think it's true to that. I mean, it, it comes down, you, you said the word earlier and I, I didn't really give it much, much time, but structure, right. You're particularly on a deployment. Um, deployments are, can be unbelievably stressful and, and uh, because there's, you know, it's life or death and people are dying and you're making very important decisions. But in a lot of ways it's, it's simple too, because you, you have a, a task at hand and you know what it is. Uh, you, you know, who's to your left and right, you know them, and you're all kind of doing the same thing every day to accomplish this very visible task and you do it. And it's, it's not easy to do, but you have, there's no ambiguity, ambiguity in that. When you get out, all that structure sort of falls away and there's ambiguity everywhere. Like, how do I, what, what should I be in 10 years? Uh, how do I get there? What, what do I do tomorrow? How do I spend my time? It's, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot less structured. And, and that, I think that gets to what you, you said about decision-making. That's helpful. Well, I, I, re I really appreciate you sharing some of those thoughts because I know sometimes uh, it can be, uh, it's not always comfortable to go back and, and think through some of that. So I, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to walk us through that. Um, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to, to turn a little bit towards your time at Harvard. So tell us a little bit about why you studied or chose to focus on, on economics and, and perhaps a little bit about how that sh uh, shaped your interest in the law and, and your preparation for law school. Sure. Hey, so I, I left service. So I applied to school on, uh, in Afghanistan and tried to do some research on, on different schools, but um, didn't really know much. I just knew that I needed 
I knew I was getting out and I needed to go to school. And my, my instinct was to study political science or government concentration, as, as they call it at Harvard. And was because was I thought law that, on the horizon at that point? Yeah, I, I had thought of, yes, I, I had thought of it. Uh, had no, I had thought of it as a way to understand my country, um, understand the government. And because it's, it's runs through everything the government does it, the law it runs through everything business does too. But, uh, I thought of it in that context. And I also was, as I said, in Afghanistan and that's on my first trip to, there and I never really seen a place quite like that. Mm. It's truly on the frontier. Um, inst- you know, no institutions, uh, in just terrible, terrible poverty. People aren't safe. There's, the rule of law doesn't exist in most of that country. And so it's, it raises, once you're there and you're living in it, uh, it raises a lot of questions about the role of law, um, the role of, of uh, economics too, and, and government. And so that really spurred my interest in all these things and is what led me to think that I, I was lacking in my understanding of all these issues. And being in, and I was really good at being a soldier and really good at what I did, but if, if I wanted to add value in, in 20 years at the best way I could, I, I needed an education. And um, so when I got into school, I thought I was gonna study government and n- never had taken economics in, in high school or knew much about it. But as soon as I started hearing about economics, it, it, it seemed really interesting to me because just how, just how the economy works is and how regulation affects that and how some economies are better than others. Um, analyzing all these things in a quantitative way, it's, it just really spoke to me. Uh, and so that's why I chose to study economics. Did you, did you treat college in many ways like a, like another job? Yeah, Cause I think, a, yeah. yeah, I was going to say a lot of freshmen, for example, uh, it's the first time they've had, you know, the level of freedom that they have as a college student. And, and sometimes for, for some folks that's too much and the, and the wheels fall off. Did you approach college in a very structured way in terms of this is my job for the next four years and I'm going to do it to the absolute best of my ability? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is a great question because I think, I think the answer to this is, is um, like, cause I think about this a lot, right? I, I treated it very structured, like you said, um, because I, again, I had a brand new baby at home and I lived off campus and I had, and by the way, my, I had my wife and I needed, I needed to do right by her. And we had a, we were newly married and, and hadn't, you know, and I had been deployed for a long time, um, in our, since we've been dating. So it was our first time just kind of being in one place together. And, uh, so there's a lot of things going on at the same time. And so the only way I was going to be successful was if I was very clear about my priorities and where I would spend my time each day. And so, yes, it was very structured. And, and I thought of, I needed to give it my all at school because every minute I'm studying and, and, and pursuing that is a minute I'm not at home with, with uh, my child and my wife. Now, tr- I did not treat it like a job though. And I think, and I attribute a lot of my success um, to that because I think there's a, t- there's a tendency for veterans to think of college as a, as a uh, almost a box to check, uh, a qualification to get and um to, to get a better career and, and there's truth to that but i i think if you and, it, and this is what i tell veterans that are transitioning i, I said the same thing L- treat it as if you are an 18 year old freshman um be open to all the opportunities chase down 
if a, if a course sounds interesting to you and it's in a topic you've never thought about before, take that course and uh, learn from your classmates. They're 18. And by the way, you have a responsibility to, to share your experiences with them. Um, and so in a lot of ways, don't treat it like a job. You treat it like you are a freshman um, because you are a freshman. <laughs> and, and, I, and I try to do that and keep, keep my antenna up uh, and, and receive all the, all the opportunities that were out there. What, what advice would you have for folks who are maybe finding it difficult to, to do that when you're, you're in class with 17 and 18 year olds and you're coming from this fairly extreme, not fairly, very extreme um, <laughs> a set of circumstances and you're trying to empathize with them, but it, it, you know, it's harder being in a classroom where you're older, both in terms of age and maturity and life experience than, than the people around you. How did you, how did you adjust to that? how, what are some things that folks who are maybe struggling with that transition? What, how would they best go about that? That's, um, I had a lot more trouble in law school with that issue than I did in undergrad, Interesting. which is, which is strange, but because in, in law school or in undergrad, um, when it came to academics and, and it came to uh, learning about all these things and math and learning about economics. And I was just as immature <laughs> as everybody else in that room. And I, and, um, and in a lot of ways, it, it actually in every way, uh, the Harvard students that I was around each day were very open-minded. I thought and mm. were very, had a lot of humility in the classroom. And, and so I did, I did not really feel a barrier. Um, that you described and, and what you described is a barrier. And I think that, that it does exist and it, it exists out there. I mean, veterans face that. I, I didn't have to face that because I, the students I were around were, were just very high quality students. Um, in law school, it was different. I, I think the problem there is the students are less open-minded as they get a little more educated and, and a little older mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and with, with no more life experience, by the way. And, and so and that combination, <laughs> that, that combination causes people to, to be a little more opinionated, um, and, cl- and closed minded. And, and I don't, I certainly don't characterize my law school experience or my experience with my law school classmates as that. I just say directionally, it was more of a barrier being a veteran in, in, in a graduate school program than it was in undergrad. Okay. That's uh, that's not what I would have expected. Actually, that's an interesting one. <laughs> How, how did you go about preparing for law school itself? Apart from your academics, um, you know, things like the LSAT, uh, how did you, how did you go about preparing for that? Because get, getting into Harvard is, is no easy task. Sure. Uh, brute force, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I, um, I was barely there on numbers to, to Harvard law, by the way, I was in the, the you know, 25th percentile on numbers. Um, and I think that, you know, and to, to the strength, to, to just why I brought to the table in life experience and, and age and, and everything, bridge the gap, I'd say. But just, but for me to get to those numbers, it took everything, everything I had <laughs> to do that. A, a lot of focus um, for the LSAT in particular, my, my strategy was, I read a lot of, of um, there's a blog called Top Law Schools. I think it's toplawschools.com or toplawschools.net. And it's a, it's a, it's not really a blog. It's a, um, I don't know the word for it, a forum, internet forum. Uh-huh. And they have chat, they have rooms in there where people post uh, articles and, and everything. And I, I religiously read everything about the LSAT in there. 
and there there are some posts that are pinned to the top and it 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 shows you it tells you what books to buy and so i i basically just went on amazon i bought um a couple of these books that are out there and then uh you know dozens of old lsats in paper form like dozens of them because i they publish all of them <laughs> once the lsat's taken yeah they, i read uh, the actuals right the, exactly the actual yeah. ones and uh i had an internship that summer the summer before the application cycle um that was very demanding in my time so I, I couldn't really do much there but as soon as the internship was over on august 15th there was about three weeks before school started um and i i just ho hold up in the library <laughs> actually at, at the law at harvard law school i was trying to do osmosis kind of get the inspiration there <laughs> just hope but, uh, would rub off <laughs> did the books and then just did dozens of tests um to the you know to the time standard and with the pencil, like the number two pencils and just did it like, like the test would be and just did it over and over and over again until I got better at it. Good grief. <laughs> Please, <laughs> if you're listening, that's not what we're advising, but it worked for Logan. Uh, <laughs> uh, tell us why you decided to go and do an MBA. Did you do it at the same like uh, admission at the same time or did you get part way through one and decide, you know what, to do what I want to do, I need to pick up this other degree? Um, that's a good question. I, I was all in at, in the law. I was all in in law school because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I've since changed my mind on that, and I'm happy to talk to you that. But yeah, I was I was all in on on being a lawyer, and studied for the LSAT um, a lot, as, as I explained. Yeah. And um, then once once I was on the other other end of that, you know, I took the LSAT and I had written all my personal statements. Um, it I noticed that the that the business school applications required a lot of the the same stuff. So that I took the GRE, which I think there's a lot of overlap. If you if you can do the LSAT, you could you can do the GRE with your eyes closed. Um, and then the the personal statements are very similar in business school. And, and um, I actually skipped a, a point here. That that summer, my internship was at a a management consulting firm, and it it showed me the business world. It kind of opened my eyes to what was out there in business, and it called to me it, it just seemed like a really interesting place that m was more aligned with how i am and the things that i want out of life and the things i'm good at than the law would be and uh so it coincided with this application process almost and you know for law school and decided it was marginally a little bit more work to also apply to business school and so i i uh took it as a chance to apply to business school as well and was successful did you end up taking uh, classes alongside each other or did you go through the law school and then move into the business school? How, how did it work? Uh, the Harvard JD MBA program gives you an option. If you, assuming you get into both schools at the same time, which is not always, always the case. Some people apply during their first year of law school to business school or vice versa. But I, I got into both at the same time. So you have a choice to start at the business school first or the law school. But you do the first, you know, my path was I did the first year of business school. And then the next year I did one L year. And then it's two years of, of both schools. Uh-huh. Did you, did you notice a distinct difference between the way you are taught those two disciplines? So did they use, in law school, obviously there's Socratic method. Do they do the same mm -hmm. thing in the business school? Yeah, they're, they're extremely different, um, extremely different environments. The, Harvard law, uh, excuse me, Harvard business is, is kind of famous for the case method and, and other schools do it as well, but it's, 
you know, most of your, at least half your grade in business school is on class participation. And you're, because what they're trying to do is just stimulate this instinct in you to, to always add feedback and input. And, uh, and the cases are, are, are um, maybe not literally, but they're all pr pretty much in the first person perspective. It's like this manager is facing this problem in his business. Um, and then the case kind of gives you a bunch of data and then it leaves out open the question at, at the end of the case, like, what should this guy do? And then, so you're, they, they condition you to think of these problems. Like, Hey, if I was in the driver's seat here, what, what do I, what would I do? And then the, the two hour discussion in class that day is, is truly a discussion with the, with the professor facilitating. And it's a really interesting way. And it, for a lot of people, it's very uncomfortable in the beginning, but two years of that, it, you know, it sort of conditions you to, to be proactive and to be a leader and to think through problems. And, and whenever you're facing a problem, you are instinctively thinking, what am I going to do about it? And how do I solve it? Um, which I love. It's very, very action uh, oriented, just like the military, yeah. not terribly, not terribly rigorous though, academically for the most part. Okay. The law school, is the opposite. <laughs> so not, not so much participation unless people are called on, um, but deeply rigorous academically. And if you are called on, you need to be much more prepared at the law school than at the business school. Cause there are, you, people are generally prepared at both schools, but because everybody in a hundred person section in the business school needs to get in comments, uh, you know, pretty frequently, yeah. the comments are pretty, pretty short. And it's a lot of it's very subjective. So it's, you can, you can get away with kind of making stuff up, I'd say. Um, <laughs> we'll and we'll, the cut, that that not, <laughs> and, uh, the law school is not, not the case. And, and some cold calls last the whole, the whole class. And it's just, what are the facts of the case? And to tell me about, tell me about everything. Tell, tell me about the, the, the cases in the notes in the book. And, and, um, every professor is different, but, you better come prepared. Otherwise it, it becomes really clear that you're not. And, and, that, and that's a pretty outstanding environment too. And it teaches you to, to think of things in, in other ways. So I think they're very complimentary in that regard. One, one of the things we, we talk about a lot with students is the importance of being a good writer and, and this idea of be clear and be concise. And I know in the military, there's a lot of bureaucracy, but you, you, as I understand, you have to do a lot of these after action reports. Do did you think that that style of writing was helpful in law school or did you have to almost relearn legal writing when you got to law school? Uh, so very few jobs in the army require any sort of writing that's, that's substantive uh -huh. and a lot of it's in the intelligence community and, and that's very to the point it's descriptive. And, and uh, I did a lot of that stuff and, but I don't believe it. It's like writing a, a technical manual almost. It's very different writing a technical manual, but it's the same in that it's very specific type of writing that doesn't really help you probably with all the other variable types of writing that come in a career. So no, I would say none of my military writing helped me. <laughs> so <laughs> you were starting from, from scratch. Yes, but, but what's good about law school, uh, in my law school experience anyway, is they, they teach you pretty much what you need to know because it, it is a very specific type of writing. Um, and they teach you, they did for me anyway, in one L the, you know, legal writing and how to, you know, in the, um, kind of the, 
the guy, the bias for action to me was kind of screaming because you, it's very uh, important to cite things in, in certain ways and use your blue book and to do it perfectly. And it seems like a waste of time at first blush, but then you understand that it's, it's all, it's all forces you to have a attention to detail. And, and um, so I guess it, you know, it all, it's all just interesting uh, ways of learning. And, and I think the more different way, ways you can learn to learn, um, the better you are in life. Did you, did you study on your own? Did you have a, a study group that you worked with throughout the course of a semester? I, I didn't use study groups very much. Um, I, I think they're excellent tools. Um, I, I, for me, I need to read, you know, I have, I know my, how I learn best. And for me, I just read every, it's, I read every word of every case. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> again, brute, brute force. I think, yeah, <laughs> brute force. Not the most efficient, and I probably could have, could have been better at it and, and done it a different way. Um, and, and I think it's not typical, right? I think most 1Ls start off reading every word, and they brief every case. And I think by 3L, it probably every law school in the country that, you know, you don't see that anymore. <laughs> I think people will try to shortcut. And that's fine. I mean, you're learning you're learning uh, how to be efficient with your time and, and train to standard other than not, not train to time. Um, but for me, I, I just – I read every word. And a study group would have been redundant, I, I think. Yeah. It, it seems like one of your real interests was how, how government works and how society works. The motivation to go to law school, did you want to use that initially as a, a springboard into something like politics or did you have a, a particular practice area that you, you hoped it would lead to? I, didn't, I looked at it um, not as a springboard at all. I, I looked at it as... Um, well, it's, it's evolved, right? So when I was all in on the law, I, I wanted to be a, a prosecutor. Um, and I did have the opportunity to take a clinic at the law school that um, where I got to spend the spring in the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in Boston. And it, it's a, just an outstanding job. And, and I, I think some of my instincts back a couple of years ago where, that, where I would enjoy that work, I think they were spot on. I think I would really enjoy that work. Um, and, and so when I was applying to law school, it was very specifically to, to be a lawyer and to be that type of lawyer, a government lawyer. Um, when it, you know, and, and so, and then it evolved, right. And I, I don't, I learned pretty quickly that I probably wouldn't be the best lawyer and I would be better suited to, to be in business. Um, and so obviously a legal education or maybe not so obviously, but a legal education is helpful for, for that career path as well. Um, that being said, I have, you know, literally every day of my life since I left the army, I've felt a pull to go back in. And, that, and that's not uh, hyperbole. That's a hundred percent honest. And, and my wife would, would, that would tell you because she gets very upset about it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and because it's just, it, you know, my whole adult life up until I was 26, I'd spent the military and it's, it's still part of my identity. And, um, so and I knew it wasn't an option. It wasn't the right decision for my family. It, it wasn't, or it wouldn't be the right decision for my family. And it wouldn't be the right decision for where I could add the most value. And so I, I try to think of how do I check those blocks of mission, duty, sacrifice, service with another career. And I don't know what that career is. I think mm -hmm. it would be probably not elected office. I think that is, I have my own opinions about that, that path. It would probably be going into the government at a, you know, in the government, in the State Department or DOD, and to try to check all the same blocks, the things that I loved about the military, but to do it in a different way. 
and I and I view the law degree as as a you know it's a credential quite honestly that yeah. people that make those decisions look at and it's also helps you understand how the government works you know regulation and and uh, legislation and all this and I think that's a it's a very important uh, bit of education to have if you if you have that in your mind as yeah. a potential career path. When you finished law school, did you decide to go ahead and, and take the bar exam? I actually am not done yet. I, I graduate next month. Okay, next so month. you're really counting the days. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a long it's been a long road, and I've obviously been extraordinarily blessed, but also will be happy to be uh, moving on to the next chapter in life. Are you intending to to take the bar exam so that you've uh, you've at least got that that license or move, kind of moving into to purely business? I I am not going to take the bar exam, um, and that you know that decision. I spent a lot of time thinking about that decision, and you know it, to me it's about um, this. This ties into to, to another thing that's really important to me. It's being just focused on priorities, and to me it's not. Um, the best use of, of the time. Right. And I, I think, uh, so, so I'm not going to do it, but I, I think, uh, there are a lot of arguments for passing the bar and becoming a member of the bar. Uh, even if you're not a lawyer, um, for me, it just didn't, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I understand that you're the founder and, and also the CEO of a company called Northern Rock. Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about, about what that company does. Sure. Um, Northern Rock is a is a private equity holding company, and what what that means is we're we're buying small companies um, and holding onto them. And so you know a lot of private equity firms will buy companies and and dump a bunch of capital in them and raise the valuation and sell them on a certain cycle of time. And what what I am really attracted to is is a family of companies that work together for a very long time, twenty years, hopefully. Um, for a lot of reasons, and the, not the least of which is I am very uh, inter- very passionate about leadership development and mentorship and uh, corporate culture, and probably because these are all very important things in a, in a military career. Um, and the, that's one thing the military does right is mentorship and talent development. Um, Northern Rock is is veteran focused too, so it allows me to to stay plugged into the to veterans and to veteran causes because I I have. When I transition out, and I think when, when any of your listeners transition out of the service, you see that the job market isn't really set up to to place excellent leaders into positions where they get to use their leadership, uh, particularly senior senior soldiers, people that have 20 years in that have managed very, very large teams overseas. Um, oftentimes, they find that the only jobs available to them are project management jobs, jobs where they are leading a team of four guys, four guys or gals maybe. And so I, I see this tremendous amount of leadership talent being left on the table. And to, to me, as a, as a business person or aspiring business person, I see that as an opportunity to, if I could plug in that talent into an opportunity, like an, to run a, a, a company that we acquire, um, that's providing that veteran with, with an excellent job opportunity. He's otherwise not going to get, but it's also going to be going to allow me to attract and, and leverage talent like, like no other firm can. That sounds like a pretty exciting venture to be part of, to be honest. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited. It keeps, yeah. me, keeps me going. 
Well, look, Logan, I'm uh, and, and our listeners are, are very grateful for you uh, giving up your time and, and sharing so honestly with us. Um, as, as we do come to a close, I wonder if you could share with us maybe your, your final thoughts on what A, our, our veterans should be thinking about as they move through college, but also just for our undergrads who are, you know, preparing for, for law school. Sure. I think, um, well, generally speaking, I, I would say that, a f- and I mean this, I, I think there's a lot of lip service that, that's paid to, to service and to being part of something bigger than yourself. Um, and so there's a, there's an urge to, there's a lot of lip service being paid to that, but I, I truly believe that if you seek out the, these opportunities to serve and you, and you seek out the opportunities to develop, um, as a leader, um, that's, that's going to be your North star and it's going to get you through challenges and it's going to keep you focused on, on your principles and what, what's important to you. And I think that's, that's important, particularly for veterans as they seek, uh, a new identity and a, and a new cause to get behind. And I also think it's, it's important for undergrads generally um, the, as they determine what kind of person they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Logan, I thank you again, uh, not only for your time, but also for your service. Uh, and we are, we are so glad that you could join us on bears the bar. And we-